This is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. I'm at the Pavilion Building right next to uh, the amphitheater in downtown Fishers, the Nickel Plain Amphitheater. Honored to have a couple of great gentlemen with me. I've talked to them both before on many podcasts. Tom Britt, uh, who runs the Town Post Network, and Jake Reardon McSoley, Director of Recreation and Wellness for the city of Fishers. I hope I got all those introductions right. You got it right. No corrections. That's so good, good to so hear. So far, so good. All right. Well, I, I, it, we're out to a good start. That's always good to see. Well, gentlemen, we're here to talk about an event that has quite a history to it. And then I'm going to ask Tom to open up the proceedings because you've been involved with the Geist Half Marathon and 5K for a long time. Uh, ex- explain how it got started, who's been running it, and, and how just the history of the whole event. Yeah, it's a it's a long story. I'll I'll try to abbreviate it as best as possible. It's been 15 years, so it's it's been a, a while since we started it. Um, but it started out really as just an idea. I, I was working out at Geist Fitness at the Geist Marina. I was up on the second floor doing elliptical trainer, and this is like 2007. Um, and actually, it was the end of 2006. Um, they had just redone the bridge over Geist. They had widened the bridge. They'd added a sidewalk and a guardrail, and it was beautiful. And I was up there doing this elliptical trainer, and I was watching these people run across the bridge, and I thought, you know, that's, that's kind of cool um, if we had some kind of event like that at Geist. It'd be kind of fun to have a – at the time, I was thinking bike race or a running event of some sort. I'd been talking with Kent Duckwall, who passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago, but he was the manager of the marina. He wanted to do something kind of fun, too. And I've also had been talking to the Lawrence Township School Foundation, Tom DiMartino, who at the time was president of the foundation. But he was, they were really anxious about school funding changing, and they were anxious about some of the programming at the schools getting cut. And they had this up-and-running program they were wanting to get off the ground to get kids that, to run after school. And I thought, you know, there's just too many things aligning here that we, we just have to do something. Um, and so I, I had coffee. I had a mentor. His name was Bob Tolini. I had coffee with him every Friday for 13 years straight. And this was early on in that relationship. I didn't know he was my mentor until 10 years into it. That's how, uh, how unofficial this relationship was. But uh, I was talking to him one morning at Mama Bear's, um, and we were just talking as we normally did. And I said something about it would be kind of cool to have an event. And that bridge is open, and... I don't know. I, I'm just rambling. And he's, he said, well, you should do that. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, well, you should do it. He said, you know, you do your magazine. He said, you know a lot of people. He said, if anybody could pull together the volunteers and, and the people and the sponsors and stuff, you, you've already talked to the marina. You, you've already got a lot of these people on board. You should do it. And so it started as just a small ad like filler had essentially in my 2007 February magazine of guys uh, magazine. And I just said, let's meet at bird Ford. If you're interested in putting on some kind of event at guys, meet me at bird Ford on a Thursday night at seven o'clock. Now this is the honest God's truth. I knew I was going to be there and I knew Tom D. Martino was going to be there. Other than that, I had no idea who was going to be there. It could just been Chris bird and me and Tom eating cookies um, I show up, there's 30 people in the room. And if I had to generalize who was there, I'd say half of them were what I would call 
uh, race ringers, right? Jeff Graves was at the first meeting. Jeff Graves had just left the mini marathon and he ran their program for several years and was starting his own event company. So here we are, right? <laughs> I've got bench, a guy that owns a shoe company. Yeah. I've got a guy that owns a timing and scoring company there. Now they're there to look for business, mm-hmm. but they also like the idea of starting something at guys. Cause I think they saw something in guys that we all saw too. The other half of the, of the room was just people that lived basically in the area. They were runners. They, uh, like to give back they were involved in their schools or whatever and, and they were like yeah we want to we want to be a part of this too and so it really was just like the perfect storm of people and talent and timing um, the funny thing is in 2007 we met in February we started meeting every other week until we finally got our wheels under us and we had our first like launch party at uh, Bella Vita at the time on their deck and I think it was in late May to kind of get our first sponsors lined up <laughs> and when we got all those people together and we started getting sponsorships and things, um, our our first pro forma, what we thought we could get in runners, and we're trying to do a budget, right? We thought we could get 1,500 people to come out and run. And we were hoping we'd get about 1,000 half marathon runners and about 500 5K runners. So everything we did was based on 1,500 runners. We walked into 2008 and... By the end of February, we already had 4,500 runners signed up for the race. Wow. <laughs> what? That way beyond your expectations. Yeah, we were three times what we thought. And on top of that, we made the course three times harder because it was a point-to-point race. Mm-hmm. We ended at the marina. We started at the bridge where we start now. So everything got real complicated real quick. So we had to actually go to the mini marathon, which was at the time when we were in the spring was two years bef- or two weeks before our race. We went to the mini. We couldn't sell a registration, and everybody was all mad at us. <laughs> so imagine going to an expo with all these perfect candidates to run your race, promoting a race that's closed. So we ended up doing the first race. It was very successful. Um, had a, gr- a lot of great people involved in that. It was all volunteer. We had no paid staff, no executive director that was being paid. I think I was the executive director or president. I'm not sure what my, my title was. But I, it was a ring, I was ringleading this huge S show of this race, and um, it was all volunteer. And then over time, the, the board got stronger. We got be- good sponsors on board that stayed with us. Um, the school program really evolved. We went from, I think we had maybe 1,200 kids run our first race to, at the high point, around 2,600 school-age kids that came out and ran from approximately 16 different schools. Um, so it got, it really got big, and I think what happened is it got older. Um, the race got more established. We simplified the course. We started making, trying to make things easier on ourselves. Um, then COVID hits, you know, and I, and I think COVID was just a, a you know, terrible timing. Our race is going to be in May, and here this COVID shutdown essentially starts in March, and um, it really, really put a wrench. And not just the race financially, but just the race logistics. They'd already bought medals. They'd already bought shirts. And now we've got a whole warehouse full of shirts that say 2020 on them that we can't give to anybody because everybody's at home. And that's, that's about the time when I think the city of Fishers started stepping up and saying, hey, um, maybe, we can, maybe we can segue this over to a city event 
And let uh, me ask that's kind of how, yeah, I think let, how let, Jake and those guys all got involved. Let me ask Jake about this, because I assume you were familiar with this history before the city decided to jump in and get involved with this. Yes. Yeah. Great event, really, for the whole community. Um, iconic Fishers event that we were all proud of as residents. And um, really, it was a little over a year ago that uh, April Shelburne and the board um, from the, the original organizing group kind of came to the city, started a conversation, talked about a lot of what Tom just said. You know, the COVID uh, pandemic was really challenging on a lot of different levels. Um, I think to their credit, that team rebounded and put together a nice 2022 event, but kind of had to pause for two years, which is really challenging, uh, but got things uh, by and large back on track. But uh, express fatigue, burnout, um, you know, financial challenges, and, uh, and really was interested in keeping the event in the community, ha- helping it get to even a higher level and thought the city could be a potential partner to do that. So we started some conversations and over the course of three or four months, a lot of due diligence uh, on both sides and we got to a great place where we could move forward. And ultimately we opened registration for this year's event uh, last December. And where are you at now as far as registrations go? We're doing great. We're about uh, 32 days out from uh, race day. Not that we're keeping track or anything. Home stretch, and uh, we're anticipating about 1,200 half marathoners and about 2,000 5K participants. And we are recording this on August 15th, just so you, if you're trying to look, memorize your, your calendar in there. Now, Tom, I have to tell you, I, I've been through this before, where if you have the idea for something, it doesn't matter what they call you, executive director, you're it. <laughs> and I think that's what happened to you. Yeah. Uh, you, be, you became it, as they say. In, well, in, I had in a the, lot of help. Game. I mean, my wife, you know, Jeannie, um, she stepped up and said, hey, I'll take care of the books and I'll, I'll pay everybody, which we didn't think would be that big of a deal until we had to have like 50 police officers all get their own personal check. Uh, <laughs> we're writing vendor checks and we're doing all this banking stuff and she was handling all that and we had a, we, it was all volunteer. I mean, I, I think that's part of the beauty of the organization. It was a volunteer organization. The money did go back into the schools. And I think what we're seeing now is kind of the race is evolving into more of an institutionalized type of operation. So we're getting professional people that, um, that are either hired or on staff, where we get the city um, um, assets that we can leverage. And my goal is just to see it live on. You know, I we we wrote the time capsule, which we mm-hmm. both wrote letters into. That's I think right. Jake, you probably wrote a letter too into the time capsule. And the one thing I put in there is I hope the guy's staff is still going. You know, it's hard to think that 50 years from now we wouldn't have a guy's staff. So uh, my hope is the city um, taking ownership of it and and getting the city assets in place and the people and the talents. You know, Jake's. Jake's done races before. This isn't his first rodeo. He worked at the Fisher's Y, and they put on that Thanksgiving race for years, and it was very successful. So a lot of talented people can step up and take this thing over, and I, I just hope it outlives me. Well, so far, it's it's doing well. You're on your own. <laughs> don't now, press anything, Larry. I, I, you, you look nice and healthy to me, so don't worry. 
Now, now <laughs> Jake, Tom mentioned that a lot of money went to the schools in the early days. Uh, are you going to have any money left over, or do you just just trying to break even on this as a city? Yeah, th- th- good question. This year, we're just trying to break even. Um, and next year, we're absolutely going to evaluate, you know, whether we can generate some profit and then spin that off into the community, into the schools, uh, potentially. But at this point, we're just trying to kind of reinvest into the event and so the goal is just breaking even and not losing money and what kind of a participant are you looking for it's family friendly we really strongly encourage everyone in the community to consider being a part of it um there's it's walker friendly for both the half and the 5k strollers are welcome in the 5k as well um so families can encourage families to come out together and participate and then certainly all ages and abilities and paces for runners. Um, but also, if you're not interested in participating as a, uh, a runner or walker, tons of opportunities as a volunteer or even a, a course uh, entertainer, uh, lots of ways to get involved in this iconic event. So, Tom, from your experience, who tend to be the laggards, the strollers, the walkers? Who, who do you see at the very end? <laughs> well, <laughs> it used to be the people who stop along the course and drink margaritas at... <laughs> In Feather Cove, well, um, that they're standing. That's, yeah, uh, that helps. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. fun. It, it's funny because you know, running is the only event, and, and walking is the only thing you can do as a family. You can't go out and play soccer with your kids, or play cross country with them, or play football. For God's sake, you can't do that as a parent. You have to sit on the sidelines and watch. Um, this is the only event that you can actually do with your kids. And for a lot of our kids, I think the the most popular age we ever had in the race uh, was a fourth grader you know, 12 years old. Um, those kids, a lot of those kids, um, that was the first sporting event they'd ever participated in. You know, they didn't, they didn't play maybe intramural sports or anything like that. And so to give them a platform and an event that the city can support to let families share that experience with their kids. And then we, you know, I posted something on Facebook probably two weeks ago about how it is a family event you know families are encouraged to come out and do things with their kids and i had several people post photos of them and their kids at the first race or one of their first races together and then now with them now and the kids are you know grown like three feet tall um that's a that's a legacy that um will always have and i hope it continues so so jake i understand that of all that's available you can obviously register at any time online but you have a VIP experience available. What's that all about? We do. We do. Thanks for asking, uh, Larry. So uh, when you register, there's an opportunity to opt into the VIP experience. A couple things. First of all, everyone that registers gets a shirt and a medal. Uh, my personal opinion is both the medals are extremely cool. The 5K has a little spinner. Uh, the half marathon is kind of a beefy, unique shape to it. They kind of uh, both represent some of our new artwork with the Geist Heron on there. I think they're pretty fun. And the shirts are a nice throwback kind of vibe uh, that we hope uh, is reminiscent of those early days of the, the race of so 15 years ago. Um, but there's a soft uh, T-shirt for the 5K and a long sleeve dry fit tech shirt for the half marathoners. But you can opt into the VIP experience. And what that includes is... Uh, after the race, well, first of all, you get your own set of restrooms. You also get after oh, the race. Oh, that's a big thing. That's right a big there. deal. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely a big deal. Uh, you get your uh, post-race meal at the Ale Emporium, 
We've been meeting with uh, Tony over there and uh, excited to share some breaking news on your podcast, Larry. No one knows about this yet, but we just solidified the menu. Tony's been piloting uh, very discreetly a new brunch menu only at the Fisher's store. And we're going to be uh, highlighting three of those items for the Guy Staff Marathon for the VIP experience. So there's going to be uh, breakfast quesadillas, breakfast pizza, and biscuits and gravy there. Ooh. That uh, sounds like quite a combination there. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. And drinks, DJ, all kinds of fun stuff, free gear check included as well. So one thing, Tom, this goes all the way back to the beginning when you talked about the history of this thing. Uh, if you're not a runner or walker or stroller... Mm-hmm. Um, you can be a volunteer. You can still be part of it. If you didn't have volunteers, you wouldn't have the event. No, you're right. Um, if we had to pay everybody that was involved in the guy's TAF, we'd be broke. Um, the volunteers are just really so critical. And it's this year, you know, Amy Krell over the, the city has done a really good job of recruiting um, groups and getting people involved and kind of slating people where they would fit the best. Um, I'd say the hardest volunteer to, to corral, and actually if anybody's listening to this and says, hey, you know, I want to do something, what can I do? What, everybody wants to put medals on finishers' necks. Everybody wants to pass out waters. That, those are all fun jobs, and those are great, and we need those. The one that's really hard to get is course marshals. Mm-hmm. Uh, course marshals are wearing vests, and they're not on major intersections. We don't put them at Fall Creek and Brook School or anything, but uh, if we – get course marshals they're usually in front of an entrance to a neighborhood like i live in Windjammers. we usually have a course marshal there and all they really do is sit there and, and try to make sure nobody just drives onto the course and they also they get some marching orders from the police nearby that says hey you know if you see somebody if there's a break in the action let them out if not maybe just keep them back or maybe this is shut down for an hour straight just make sure they know that so they can't come out they do such a great job, but they really, really um, are so critical to the course because there's a lot of side streets, a lot of cul-de-sacs. Um, there's a lot of blind drives that we just have to watch out for, and you can't put an officer at every one of those. So if anybody is listening and anybody could um, help, if you live along the course, it's great because you can just walk from your house out to your spot, put your vest on, and have your cup of coffee and just help out Um but uh, that, that's probably the one area that we really need the most of. If you go to guystaff.com, there is a volunteer tab. They just click on that, and they can see what's available. Uh, but if you can click on course marshals, you'd really be helping us out a lot. Okay. And, uh, Jake, will there be water stations along the way? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, seven water stations on the half course, one on the 5K course. Each of those will also have a medical tent there. Uh, and we intend to have Gatorade at actually every water station as well. So plenty of fluids to hydrate, uh, plenty of opportunities. And completely echo what Tom just said, course marshals are the unsung heroes of every event like this. And we still have about 35 spots to fill. So definitely looking for some of those volunteers. Uh, it'd be a huge help. The other one that we're really looking for, if, if you or maybe you and some friends are uh, entertainers, we're looking for local talent to get out on the course and help provide some inspiration uh so any any kind of course performers are welcome and same site you can kind of click and get more information you know one thing uh, that is is not recommended <clears throat> is participating in something like this as a runner without the proper training mm. now i've discovered jake that even uh as i put this 
Explain how you prepare for the event, because uh, I understand you've been giving courses on Wish TV about this. <laughs> we, uh, well, I'm not personally an expert, <laughs> but you know what they say, Larry, surround yourself with, you know, really smart people and it makes you look good. So that's what I've been doing. We have a number of awesome ambassadors for the event, and they're all local runners. Uh, many of them are coaches and um, really dialed into all the tips and training that you would need to be successful for an event like this. So yeah, they've shared several with me that I've been fortunate enough to share with uh, some of the other media outlets. Um, and I'd be happy to share a couple here. I know uh, training's important, especially for the half distance. There's a number of training groups. Athletic Annex has one that uh, meets and they, you know, that's a fun one to be a part of. All the local running clubs kind of do these as well. It's important to put some training in, but race day, trust your tra training, just have fun. Um, <clears throat> getting a mantra in, is uh, helpful mentally to get through some of the tougher parts of the course. So it could be a, a, a word, a phrase, a lyric, even a visual cue that you can kind of lean into uh, as you grind out maybe some of the harder parts of the course. And then, uh, you know, taking care of yourself physically is really important. So hydration, really important. Uh, good nutrition, not just uh, eating, you know, five bowls of spaghetti the night before, but uh, good lean protein, good, you know, multi-grain uh, carbs and, uh, and getting proper sleep the whole week leading up to the event. Very important. So, Tom, any stories of the past of people preparing for the, the 5K, the, the half marathon? No, the, the only story I can tell you, I, I'm not a runner, by the way. So if anybody ever asks you, I get that ask all, are you going to run the race? I've never ran race. I will never run that race. If you see me running, you better run, too, because there's usually <laughs> something after me. But I do know uh, a fun story. Probably, I don't know, probably three years into the race, it was fairly young. One of our photographers, her name's Brenda Staples, um, she she wanted to lose some weight and she wanted to get in shape and she'd had a couple kids and their kids were in Warrant schools at the time and she wanted to use this as a, a launch point to get, get, get herself back where she wanted to get so I challenged her, I said listen if, you, if you'll run the race I, I'll take care of your registration and I'll even she said she, you know, okay, I don't have any running, I'll buy you shoes I'll do whatever it takes, but I want you to do the race. And so she took the challenge. Well, she started um, training at a facility down in Lawrence. She would go, you know, in the winter months, she would go inside and run laps and things. And she would, so the routine was she'd pick up her kids from school. She'd go to the McDonald's drive-thru and they wanted french fries. She'd take them home. She had, a bag, she had a bag of her stuff in the back seat. She dropped them off at the house. They were old enough to watch themselves for an hour. She would go down, do this by herself, and come home. This went on for a couple weeks. Two weeks into it, she picks them up from school. They go to the drive-thru, and they ordered fruit. She's like, why? You guys always get fries. No, we learned today that fries aren't good for us, and we want to eat some fruit instead. And they said... Mommy, um, can we get our clothes? Can we go with you? So she said, sure. So she went home. They changed. All three of them went to the place, and they all took laps. That went on for about four weeks. Finally, she did the race. Her kids did the 5K through the Up and Running program. They all got medals. They all got shirts. The moral to the story is, is 
as parents, I think a lot of times we forget that we're influencing our children. And the best person to train for a race is not pushing your kids to do it, but you doing something too. They will follow your lead, especially when they're, you know, fourth grade or younger, even maybe even a little bit older than that. But I think in this case, it was a family dynamic that changed. They started walking after dinner. They started working out with their mom. That training, that time together is invaluable. The, you know, the talks they have going around these laps, that's what the guy's staff is about. So, yes, we want people to be excited. We want people to be in shape. We want to carve up, and we want all those great things. But also don't forget the time you're spending with your family, your friends, your kids is invaluable and that memory will last a lifetime. Yeah, one thing I learned as a parent is that you can say what you want to your kids. They pay a whole lot more attention to what you do. Right. <laughs> so, And it's not a great example right, right. of that. Right. Uh, you know, Jake, I think there are a lot of selling points to participating in this one way or the other. But if you're a runner or a walker, I really do think knowing that area a little bit, that there's, this is a great scenic experience. Explain that. Absolutely. Um, in my humble opinion, both the 5K and the half course are some of the best looking, most scenic, uh, incredible courses that you could experience in, in the Midwest. Um, the 5K course has uh, been adjusted, so we now have an opportunity to bring the route in and out of the brand new Geist Waterfront Park. I think that's gonna be a great uh, addition. The half course is the exact same that it's been for a number of years. So if you've participated before, you can expect the same course. Um, and, and honestly, it's just hard to beat it. There's 14 different views. We counted them. 14 different views of the water. And it's just so beautiful, so inspiring. It goes in and out of some of the you know, great neighborhoods. It's really a great showcase of the east side of Fishers. We do have one new addition to the half course. We're uh, doing for the first time something called a Gold Star Mile. And uh, excited to do this uh, at Packet Pickup. Runners can opt in to uh, have an optional bib that they wear in honor of an active duty or veteran military member. Then on the course, mile 10 to 11 will be our gold star mile. And uh, we have a partnership with the Fishers Armed Services Commission. They're gonna be out there supporting uh, runners. We're gonna have all the flags up on the bridge should be really uh, fun and a, and a new addition to the half course. That's great news. And Tom, have you at least strolled the uh, the path of this uh, oh, yeah. event? So you, you're familiar with, with, with the pathway. I actually got to be the uh, pace car for the race, I think twice. Um, before I started announcing it, I got to actually drive the lead car. And it's it's just, it's a whole different experience. I mean, be, not being a runner, I don't get the the bands i get all the kids playing out in front and stuff but when you actually drive the course and you see the people in your rearview mirror and you see all the people ahead of you it it's pretty spectacular i mean guys turns into a 13.1 mile event and they put their best foot forward and it's so uh, it's just so amazing to see all the kids come out they're playing garage band in their front yard they've got speakers set up there you know uh, neighbors come out in their lawn chairs and they got boom boxes playing and they're cheering people. They got air horns from their boat. They're honking at people. So it's it's uh, it's neat not only for the runner's experience, but the, the residents can come out and actually see it. And it's it's in their front yard in, in a lot of cases. And it's so much it's so cool to see that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great that an event like this was able to survive COVID because there were some events that 
didn't take off again once they were off a year or two for COVID. They just couldn't get ramped up again, and this one has. So, Jake, uh, again, the uh, the date and how you register. Yes. So it'll be Saturday, September 16th, uh, 7 a.m. Geisthalf.com is where you go for all the information. One important date to be aware of, we actually have a price increase coming this Friday, uh, August 18th. So if you want to take advantage of the best pricing available, uh, soon is better than later. Uh, but anyone can register up to the day before the event. So if you're listening ahead of that date, uh, keep that in mind. And uh, if you so after that date, you know, you'll just have to pay a little more to get in there. Uh, the last chance for each of you. Tom, anything you, you want to add before no, we just, wrap it up? I just want to thank the city for um, you know, taking this on. It's a, it's a big task. It's, it's a lot of work. Um, and it's, you know, there's a lot of volunteers that we um, have to thank. I just want to give a tip of the hat to the city for taking it on and, and doing it so well and being so passionate about what we have. Um, and also just to tip the hat to all the people who served in the past. Um, we had a lot of board members who uh, were with us for years. You know, April, but we had you know, Mike Napariu, uh, you know, Michael Wilhelm, you know, Matt Troyer, who mm-hmm. was a local attorney that the first year we were trying to get our 501c3 filed, our attorney that was doing the paperwork came to a meeting and says, this is my last week in Fishers. I just got relocated to Austin, Texas. We're like, what the hell? And literally that day, this guy calls me unsolicited and says, I'm an attorney. And here in Guy's name is Matt Troyer, and I want to get involved. What can I do to help? And I was like, well, Jesus, where in the hell did this guy come from? He's I've, I've met Matt. He's, he's a good guy. Yeah. yeah and so yeah. just the people that we had, David Ayers, all these guys uh, who were part of this for years, and just uh, poured their hearts into it. So, As a retired tax law specialist, I can tell you uh, filing a 501c3 application is no easy task. And if yeah. you don't have an attorney helping you, heaven help you. Yeah, um, we, were, we were almost done, but we just weren't well, quite there. And, yeah. and Matt took us across the finish line. But just okay. so many people to thank. And if people are volunteering this year, you know, thank you in advance. Um, because we really can't do it without volunteers and um, it's it just really putting Geist's best foot forward one day a year. This is, this is our chance. So uh, one last chance for Jake Redden McSoley. Anything you'd like to add? I think Tom hit the nail on the head. I think the original team that brought this idea to life, we're so excited at the city to be able to take the baton and run with it for the next chapter. Um, I would like to thank the team internally at the city and Vision Event Management. There is a lot of work that's been going on for uh, over a year now to make this uh, event come together. But we're so excited for the community and just encourage you to uh, reach out if you have any questions. Check out geisthalf.com to learn a little bit more and join us as a participant or a volunteer that morning to be a part of it. I have one last question for Tom. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Alice. <laughs> Alice is my new 66 Mustang <laughs> that I is my dream car I always wanted. Um, and I, I, I just sold the Geis and Fishers franchises earlier this year. So before I sold them, I told Jeannie, my wife, that if I do sell them and I can get anything close to what I'm asking for, can, I'm going to get a Mustang. She said, great. So I just picked her up last week from Ohio. She's named Alice because that's my, um, my late mother-in-law's name. And she was, um, she was, that was her heyday in the 60s. That's when she had... Actually, my wife was conceived in 66. I was born in 66. That's why the year's kind of special to us. Um, but Alice was um, her mom, and uh, she unfortunately died 
uh, I think it was in 01, uh, 2001. But uh, she was, uh, she had the 289 engine. That's that's Alice. She had a, a big heart. Um, just you, you couldn't run her, couldn't run her sideways if you wanted to. So you got potential pace car. It could be. I could be. I want to get her tuned up to make sure she can go 13.1 miles without getting... I saw getting. a picture of that engine. I wasn't quite sure if it was ready to go, but you drove it all the way back from Ohio, huh? Well, I, I hauled it, but I did drive down the new white one over the weekend for my okay. dad's 80th. So it, it can't right. make it that far and back, so I'm not too worried about it. But, yeah, Alice is now in the garage, and somehow she's kicked out both of our SUVs. So I'm not sure how that works, but... A choice. Yes. <laughs> it was a choice. I, somehow she ran us both out. She's high minutes. <laughs> All right. We've, we've been talking to Tom Britt. Uh, is the story of Alice. And then uh, we've got Jake Ridden McSoley. It's, uh, we were, the discussion was on the Geist Half Marathon of 5K coming up September 16th. Thanks to both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Larry.